<laughs> okay. So, tell me what you guys have been doing the last week, last couple days, whatever. What I have been up to? I've had a foot that's hurting me, so I can barely walk, which is annoying and brings up a lot of issues in my heart. Like what kind of issues? Like, I feel like the only reason is because I'm so heavy, and that's why my foot hurts. And you can't change that overnight. Heaven knows I'd like to change it overnight. (laughs) (laughs) And so, I don't know, I just feel stupid. So, I need to go to the doctor. But I struggle with going to the doctor because the main thing the doctor usually says is, you should lose some weight. <laughs> yes, I know that. <laughs> so, yeah. <sighs> but it's okay. Okay, I'm going to put those candy bars away. <laughs> 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 For me, too. <laughs> You're going to put oh them God. away? So that we don't eat, so I don't eat them. Because so I need to lose them. weight. <laughs> 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 like that was so random. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, okay Wendy. Do we need to start over? <laughs> Maybe I don't talk about my foot. What do you think? <laughs> no, you do. Kind of starts it with That's a real downer. It's, it's a hard thing. <laughs> okay. Um. Do you have any things to say? Anything to share? Oh my. Don't tell me this okay. is going to be one of I'm those gonna nights. I'm going to give a caterpillar update. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> we have had a lot of butterflies leave the nest. Probably like 10 in the last five today. Six, seven. Yeah, 14 maybe. <laughs> have left. So you have like eight left? No. I think we had like 30 in the end almost, like oh, 29. Wow. I never knew that number. Last I knew was 22. I think we got more after that, like seven more after that. I didn't tell you about those ones, but anyway, so they're gone, and that's fun, and we've been enjoying releasing them, and last night we got to do it with like most of my family, like my siblings and parents and whatever, and that was fun, mostly for the kids' sake. It was fun. Um, yeah. But it's been warm and I'm having a hard time with that, <laughs> in case you guys wondered. Because it's just hard when it's hot. But today I had a fan in the kitchen while I was canning peaches, and that was a blessing. You canned peaches? I did. Yep. Nice. Did. I didn't do very many, I literally did seven jars. <laughs> Hey, that's fun. <laughs> because that's all the peaches I had. And then I froze a few Are as well. peaches, like, fresh right now? Yep. Because I like peaches. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw some on your counter, too, Wendy. Right. I got some to can, but I bought them last week, and uh-huh. I didn't have time to do them yet. So I getting... think that's what I'm going to have to do tomorrow, because they're just yeah. starting to get soft. Did you like, buy them... still good, but... Like, at Nolts or something? Yeah. Yeah. I got mine at the Farmer's Market on Saturday, and mine today were like, if I don't do them tomorrow... Right. Well, when I, at Nolts, oftentimes they'll be really hard. Like, you can't can them the same day. Yes. So you have to wait a couple days. But still, mine need, they need to get done. Yeah. For sure. I've never canned anything. Never? Besides, like, growing up, you mean? Right. In my own home. Like, never canned anything. Because you don't want to, or you just don't have 
time or I barely cook dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I like to can. I don't fun. can a ton, but the things that my family really like, I like canning. That's so fun. Do you can spaghetti sauce? Because um, you said I that did you one make year. I did one year, but it. they didn't like they didn't like homemade spaghetti sauce. Your family. Right. Okay. But now, right. So now I'll I'll crush up tomatoes, but I don't can that. I don't can it. Oh, okay. Just, you just like make it that day, like right. if you're gonna have. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. And they like that, but there is something about canning it. I don't know. Yeah, it's really tricky. I've done it a few times. It wasn't. Yeah, it was runny. It wasn't very thick, and I think that's what they yeah. didn't like. Like you so, over spaghetti, of, it just kind of. Yes. Yeah. You have to have a lot of paste, tomato paste. That's why. Not toothpaste. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm thankful because the other day I was over at a friend's house, a friend much older than I am, like my mother's age, and she was telling me how she does her peaches. And so I was, it was just nice to get some. I, I've done it before. I haven't done it in a long time, though. So it was nice to have, like, step-by-step, step, like, this is what she does, in, in my opinion, she does most everything to do with food perfect. So there so you go. I'm sure they'll, t they'll turn out perfectly because of her. Awesome. Yeah. Welcome to It's a Good Day podcast. We are three friends who love to laugh and believe that through Jesus, even the tough seasons are good. You never know what will happen on our show, but we hope you will join us as we find the good in every day. Okay, so today we're going to talk about some hard seasons that, or a hard season that Delight and Wendy um, have both walked through in their life, and so I'm just we're just gonna hear from them what they've learned from it, how they got through it, and you know how they got through it and are still believers. Okay, so Delight, tell us a little bit about a couple of the hard seasons that you have walked through with your husband and then also just you guys as a couple. Well, I shared before about our adoption story, which included, I think some infertility journey, but I guess that was mostly adoption. Wasn't it? Does anybody remember? It was a little bit, <laughs> but not super in depth. I don't think. Okay. I, I think. Know. And then also Jordan, my husband has had, some health issues the past several years. It started when the first thing that happened was that he tore his ACL and his knee playing basketball. So that feels like pretty much a pretty normal thing to happen. And then the next thing was, yeah, he had surgery. That was the first surgery he had ever had. So he had to have surgery, which even that in itself felt hard, felt really difficult. And if I knew what was going to happen in the next two years, then it would have, if now looking back, it feels small, but it felt big at the time. Um, he was in a lot of pain and it was just really hard. And then the next summer he... I was leaving for a trip. I was going to Uganda to be at my friend's wedding. And I noticed as I was leaving that his eye looked a little funny, like a little cloudy. And so 
I said, you know, you should get get an appointment and have that checked. And so I knew that he was going to have an appointment, but of course the time change was different, you know, so I, it was, and I didn't have a lot of internet while I was there. So it was a little weird. Like I knew he was having the appointment, but then the next day I actually went, it's always really ironic to me because I was whitewater rafting and while (laughs) I was whitewater rafting, I said to my friend, this is so weird. Jordan has no idea where I am right now. I'm like in the middle of the Nile in Africa, like whitewater rafting. And he has no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) Like it just felt funny. And that night when we got home, I came back to a bunch of texts from Jordan saying that he was about to go into emergency surgery. He had went to the eye doctor and there was something wrong with his cornea and he had to have a corneal transplant. So I was like, and he was having a hard time. Like he was really nervous about surgery and all that. So I was like on the other side of the world pretty much. And yeah, feeling bad. So that was the second surgery. Then like eight months later, he went to the doctor, like he was having checkups for that eye surgery. Everything went well. I made it home. That was a very, yeah, just kind of a difficult summer also because my cousin died that summer unexpectedly and our cousin, August's cousin also. Yeah. It just felt like things kind of kept piling on. So then the next year in the spring, um, he ended up having to have cataract surgery in both of his eyes, which was so weird because that's usually something you get when you're older, like not when you're 30. So that was four surgeries in like, yeah, a year and a half. So already things were feeling really like what is going on kind of thing and difficult. And we, his mom had wondered when he was younger, if he had, um, something called Marfan syndrome. And it was one of those things where we had, even that spring, we talked to the doctor about it because it just, we, he had different symptoms of it and we were wondering. And so we never really, he said, yeah, maybe he should have a, be checked a little further sometime, but he didn't seem super concerned anyway. So we didn't do anything about it. But then in June, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, it's good. And then we'll talk more about like this specific thing. I'll ask you more questions maybe about this. Okay. So then in June, we were, it's funny to me, I guess I'll go back a little bit to think about how difficult it felt already before the next thing that happened happened. <laughs> like I, it felt like it was just one thing after another. And it felt like when is life, you know, going to get better. And also within that season, um, we had started kind of looking into not adoption yet, but just infertility and what was going on, like medically started having tests and that kind of thing. So it was, yeah, that also felt difficult. So I think that's why it felt the way it felt like, because I felt, especially for my husband, like 
why does he keep having so many things like when is he gonna catch a break kind of so we were then one night getting ready for bed and all of a sudden he said I feel pressure in my heart was how he described it and I was like okay well and I would always say like if he had anything like well do you need to go to the emergency room like that'd be my response even if like you know he stubbed his toe or something <laughs> like I like would just, you say to a kid like you say to a kid maybe like, should I, do you want me to call an ambulance well not quite like that I guess but anyway so I fully expected him to just be like no I'm fine you know like that was just sort of the gauge anyway and he's like yeah we need to go and so we got out of bed got dressed and yes so it was that like chill just kind of like I'm just feeling some weird something in my heart do you need to go yeah like I didn't like realize what it was like he was yeah he put his shoes on like we were the light was out like we were ready to be sleeping right and he yeah i don't know like it just it didn't i didn't know how alarming it was gotcha and i think it it was alarming for him but he's pretty chill anyway so right. he just i think i always just thought it was like oh my gosh I f- my heart's killing me and then it was like hurry let's go and like freaking out no like and i said like should i call an ambulance he said no we can drive whatever so we had my friend was living with us at the time so i knocked on her door and i said something's wrong with jordan we're going to the emergency room like feel free to come with us if you want or stay just letting you know where we're going at late at night (laughs) and so she said okay i'll come so we got in the car i handed her my phone i told her the number to the hospital told her to tell them what was going on and that we were on our way. And so my husband will still say that I drove like a grandma, even though I drove faster than I would ever usually. And he likes to pick on me a little bit because I slowed down for a stoplight and he was like, yeah, like not thinking I should have. And I didn't even realize how, I mean, I was going fast, but I was, I'm pretty cautious also. It didn't take us long to get there to the hospital, which was 15 minutes away. I think it took us maybe eight minutes or something like that. Could that be? Eight minutes? Totally. I'd have to, I'd have to look at my phone. If you were driving really fast. I wasn't driving that fast, though, like 80. Maybe it was 11 minutes. Either way, it was pretty fast compared to what it would usually take. So we got there, and... Yeah, I was very, very thankful that night because we got there and it was pretty like they weren't very alarmed at first. Like I think they just didn't know what was wrong with him. So they started looking into things and he they were giving him pain medicine and he kept kind of saying to me like, no, something is wrong. Like this is not helping. Something is wrong. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm sure they'll figure it out. You know, like we're at the at the hospital, whatever. And I think they maybe did a test, like a CT scan or something, whatever. And so, um, yeah, the doctors were pretty chill. Like they weren't acting super alarmed or anything. So then at some point, thankfully I texted my mom and his mom and said what was going on. And thankfully probably what saved his life was his mom saying, do you think you should mention that 
we wonder if he has Marfan syndrome. Because one of the things with that is that it can cause issues with your aorta. So I didn't really even know what that meant. But so thankfully she said, do you think we should, you should mention that we think he might have Marfan syndrome. And so I'm thankful also that I listened and didn't just, I can tend to be a little bit naive when it comes to medical things and I don't really understand it. And I, it's not that I don't care, but I'm just sort of like, that's what the doctors are for. I don't need to know all the terms and stuff and I'm not good at remembering. Yeah. It's just not my department anyway. So, um, and I also have trouble talking to people that I don't know. So I think that I could have just disregarded that she said that and felt like, Oh, I'm sure the doctors will figure it out. (laughs) And I'm very thankful that I didn't. So I went in and I said to the nurse, um, I just wanted you to know that we think that he might have Marfan syndrome. So as soon as I said that they were like, huh, took him in for another CT scan. They came out, that could be such a long story, but they could come, they came out and, they didn't come right into us after that. They just like, I was just with him and he kept kind of saying something's wrong. The pain medicine's not working. Like something is going on. (laughs) And at one point we heard them like saying the helicopter will be here in 10 minutes or something. And Jordan kind of looked at me like freaked out. Like, is that for me? And I said to him, I'm sure it's not for you. They wouldn't let you be an earshot of, that there's a helicopter coming if it's for you and they haven't even told you yet. So I just was trying to keep calm and, you know, So basically they had just gone into like full out emergency mode and they didn't even have time to tell you because they were just... Right. Basically his aorta had dissected. So it was like coming apart from itself kind of. And so he was like, it was like detaching from his heart, so to speak. And he was bleeding out essentially. So knowing what they were looking for made them do the right test from my mother-in-law saying that, which is how they found then what was actually going on, thankfully. So then, yeah, so we heard that and they were kind of all rushing around like it was, it felt like a movie or like a TV show, you know, (laughs) anyway. And so, but I was like, it's fine, you know, they'll come in and talk to you at some point and he was very he was definitely feeling nervous anyway so then he obviously realized there was something yeah yeah, he probably knew so then i don't remember exactly but then at some point they came in and they said he has an aortic dissection he needs to be to syracuse he's gonna have open heart surgery as soon as possible and so we were just like (sighs) oh my word and i felt so bad like he was so like nervous and whatever. So within minutes, like it wasn't very long, like they were putting him on a stretcher and I was signing papers and whatever. And they were taking him out. And then he went in ambulance over to where they went, where he went in the helicopter. And then on his way to, um, about an hour and a half from here and to have surgery. So, at that point, my mom was with my friend out in the ER, so I went out and told her what was happening. I called my sister to ask her to go, August, <laughs> you, 
to ask you to go to my house and get stuff, which is funny, like looking back, because I, I didn't even realize how serious it was even yet at that moment. Really? You didn't? Like, obviously it was serious because he was leaving in a helicopter, but like, I didn't know that he could have died easily. <clears throat> okay. Like, honestly, if he would have already been asleep, I don't know if he would have woke up. Because, like, he was chill enough when he felt that pressure. I don't know if it would have woke him up if he was sleeping. You know? Like, right. obviously, he was intended to live, and so... Right. That was the Lord's plan, so I'm sure he would have. But it just... It's really surreal to think about the fact that, like, that night could have ended, like, way different. And they were saying to me, like... Well, they were saying, next time you should call an ambulance, but good job, you saved his life. <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> why are you telling me I should have called an ambulance if we got here and I saved his life? Like, I think an ambulance would have taken longer, but whatever. It's neither here Especially nor there. The we made, we made was. the choice we made in the situation that we did. And thankfully, so, um, yeah, it was very surreal. Like it kind of just felt like everything was happening around me. Like we left then and we were going to drive to the hospital and my dad like picked me up, I think. And they drove, well, no, I drove my car up to my parents' house, and then my brother got there, and he was going to come with us. And as we were, like, getting ready, the helicopter went, like, over top of my parents' house. And it was just, like, the weirdest feeling, thinking, like, my husband is in there, and, like, something's really wrong with him. Like, yeah, it was scary. Um, but I think the cool part about it is that there was such peace even in all of that. Like... I really felt like, yeah, I really felt peaceful, like that I could trust the Lord, even in that, like that God was going to be glorified. And I remember saying to my mom, like, like we don't, we have to just trust the Lord. Like we don't know what the outcome of this night is going to be. By that point, it was like almost two o'clock in the morning. And I just said, like, this might be the night that he dies. Like, whether he dies or lives, like, the Lord is going to be glorified in his death or in his life. Like, and we can't worry. We can't really be afraid. We just have to trust. And I don't think, I feel like those words weren't even me. You know, like, it was just the Lord was giving me peace, I guess, because... I was pretty chill, and I think they were all like, are you okay? <laughs> but I think God gives us the grace we need, you know, in the moment. So he made it through surgery, and even, you know, the recovery was also difficult. And just the fact that knowing then, pretty much then we knew that he definitely had that Marfan syndrome, which is still affecting him. Like he needs to have another surgery this year. And it's, yeah, it's one of those things where like I'm praying for his healing, but it's a continual, like it's not just over with that thing. Um, the surgery this year is on his foot. He has like a tendon that's pretty much, like non-existent like it's not even working at all and he's in pain in his foot a lot and yeah he's needed to get it fixed for a couple of years but he had had so many surgeries that he was just like 
yeah, over it. Yeah. So what are, what are some of the things that got you through that time of recovery and like, what did that all look like? Like, how long did you have to stay in the hospital? And I think he was in the hospital about a week. And it was definitely, yeah, I mean, everyone was so supportive and helpful. And there was just so many people, even that night, during the, like, during the night while he was in surgery, there was so many people that were, like, first of all, there at the hospital, like, the hospital, the waiting room was full. In the middle of the night, at like, 4 o'clock in the morning, was full of yeah, our people, our family and friends, and was just really, yeah, just so I felt very loved and cared about. <clears throat> um, and then, yeah, it's weird being as young as he is, like, having the, like, those kind of things. Like, it's not even for the nurses, like it wasn't normal for somebody that young to be having open heart surgery. Obviously even younger people have it, but it's like all the things that are affecting him are kind of like old man <laughs> things. Um, but yeah, I feel like the Lord was just very present and with us, even though it was very, it was difficult and not fun, but I think just the peace, like that verse that says that the peace of peace of God that passes all understanding, you know, like those, the peace that I felt, cause even for a, a couple days, he was pretty out of it. Like he has no, he has no memory of the first three or four days, I think. Yeah. So I was there supporting him, but it's kind of, like it was hard on me because it wasn't, I didn't have him there to support me in a way, you know, mm -hmm. which was fine, but I had other people. Um, but it was also that week that we got the news about infertility, like that we got a call from our doctor saying that one of the tests that we had had done came back that pretty much it was medically impossible for us to have children. So it was kind of all, that whole season was intertwined with those like his health and our desire to have children not being fulfilled. So it felt very, yeah, I think he especially felt very discouraged. And one of the things with, um, open heart surgery is that it can affect your emotions a lot. And after, um, he would have some very anxious times or he'd wake up at the night and be very like, yeah, very kind of having anxiety and yeah, it wasn't fun. But I think that, I think without the hard times, we don't know how good the good times are, you know? Right. Okay, Wendy, so tell us a little bit about your, um, one of the hard seasons that you've had to walk through the last couple years. Yeah, so about four to five years ago, um, I started having pain in my feet. 
I would wake up and just kind of felt, at first it wasn't even really pain, it just felt uncomfortable, kind of. I would wake up and my feet felt swollen, but they didn't look swollen, mm. but they felt puffy and kind of hard to walk on. Um, so that lasted for quite a while before I really went to see my doctor about it because it got worse maybe about two months later. Within those two months, it got pretty bad to the point where I couldn't hardly even stand on my feet. So I went to see my doctor, and one thing I thought maybe it would could be is arthritis because it seemed like it was more at the joints of my toes. And so, um, so I asked him about that, and he said, nope, it's definitely not arthritis, and I'll send you to a specialist, like a foot doctor. So I went there, that appointment was maybe a month later, and it's getting worse, like to the point where I couldn't even move. Like my husband had to help me down the stairs, like I couldn't stand on my feet. And also in between the two appointments, um, I would wake up and my elbows would start feeling sore, and my fingers and my shoulders, like it kind of was all over the place. Like it spread quickly, but it wasn't everything all at once. Mm -hmm. I would wake up and it would be my shoulders and then the next morning it would be my fingers. And eventually it was always my feet, my fingers and my shoulders. But then sometimes it was my knees, sometimes it was my hip. Like it just spread very quickly. And so um, I went to that next appointment and again explained to him that it's kind of moving around and and they said um, nope you're fine We're, we'll give you some um, inserts for your shoes and that should help your feet and so I left feeling kind of discouraged but also like okay like must not be anything like I don't know what's going on but um, so I didn't see another doctor for maybe another three months and in that time I mean, it got so bad that I was up every night. I would wake up in the middle of the night and just be in so much pain. I couldn't, like, it was in my shoulders a lot, so I couldn't even, like, move my body to get out of bed. So, um, yeah, like, Volvo would have to help. Every night he would get up with me. Like, I would just, I didn't want to wake him up, but I couldn't get out of bed. So, And it felt so uncomfortable to lay there in the middle of the night. Like, it just, and so when I would wake up and he would wake up with me. Like he was always up and would help me. Sometimes he had to carry me down. Like it was, it was awful. Like it got so bad. And um, so, yeah, I waited maybe about three months because I'm like, I already went to see two doctors and they told me, like I just didn't even want to go to another doctor, but I did. Three months later, I went and um, again, she said, there's nothing wrong with you. And so I'm trying to explain to her, because it, it was really bad in the morning, but it would slowly kind of ease towards the afternoon. But it was still, I could still feel it, but it was like, I still didn't have a grip. Like I still couldn't hold, like I couldn't open any jars or cut anything, but I could at least like move my fingers, like mm -hmm. make a fist, even though it wasn't tight. Where in the morning, I couldn't even move my fingers. Yeah. So it got a little bit better, but, it's still, my appointment, I remember my appointment was in the afternoon and I almost wanted it to be in the morning because I wanted them to see, like it was, looking back, I don't know why, but I felt like I needed to prove to them that something was wrong. Yeah. But at this point, I was just feeling so discouraged. And so when she said that um, it was nothing, I told her, it, 
it's something like it and I'm explaining to her all of this stuff like exactly what's going on and I said I really think that it's rheumatoid arthritis like I've looked into I've looked into um, all kinds of things I mean there's so many things that I and I had a friend too that knew um, quite a bit and so I would explain to her what's going on and she um, yeah she would give me some advice like why don't you write down every day what it is so that you can see if there's a pattern or and so I did all of these things and we looked into different things that it could be. We researched. I mean, like, it wasn't just that I was showing up at the doctor's because I had sore muscles, which is what right. she said. You just have sore muscles. And I said, no. I even, like, jokingly said, nope, I don't exercise. I'm not doing anything right now. Like, I don't know why I would have sore muscles. But anyways, I asked her. Um, she wanted to give me a muscle relaxant and then just see where it how that would help and I I told her I wanted to see a rheumatologist and he could tell me that it wasn't and then I'll move on like I think I even told her it's not that I want rheumatoid arthritis I just know that something is wrong like I know something's wrong and I and so um she didn't she didn't think it was necessary to see a rheumatologist but I think she saw that I wasn't gonna like leave without at least having an appointment and so she said okay how about you try this muscle relaxant and um we'll make you an appointment and they're booking about six months out so at the time I was like okay as long as I have an appointment but then I went out to the car and I just bawled I'm like six months how am I gonna do that like this was seven months from the start mm -hmm. of just feeling like my feet were just kind of sore to the point where like I wasn't sleeping at night I was in so much pain and so um but I just kind of left it in God's hands and it was awesome because just a few days later the um office called at the rheumatologist that I was going to and they sent they um, made an appointment I think it was two weeks later was actually my appointment, mm, which amazing. I know is God because, yeah, I, I don't know if I could have done the six months, but, and I went in and right away they diagnosed me with rheumatoid arthritis. I couldn't start the medication. Um, I still was about a three week after that, three weeks before I could start, like have a treatment plan and stuff. But just even being diagnosed was, was such a relief. And yet like, and scary at the same time because rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune disease and there's no cure for that. But it just felt good to know that something was wrong with me. Having the, the doctors tell me that there was nothing, like just really can mm -hmm. be frustrating. That's so yeah, that's so discouraging because you're like, you know your own body isn't acting the way that it should be. Yes, so and it was, it was getting significantly worse. So I was almost like fearful that it would have been left that nothing is wrong and and I knew like this is getting worse like it was yeah I was definitely fighting against like dwelling on that fear like it was there like going through at night my husband would um, he would pray for me and then we would put on um, worship music and that is what like because I knew so easily I could sit there in the pain and just be like what is going what's going on and what's going to happen like mm -hmm. but um yeah just even listening to the worship music like I was fighting it and like no god like I have to trust that that something is going to come out of this and you know what's 
you know what's happening, you know what's going on, and just kind of giving it to him. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's crazy. So that was four years ago, and like right now, yes. what is it like right now? Yes, for you? so um, that, so I was on a medication that it helped with the pain, and at the time it felt like it helped a lot because I was just in so much pain that even just a little bit of relief right. just felt like, yeah. So, um, so that treatment plan was more of a pain medication. It wasn't really doing anything for the disease. Okay. And so, um, but I was on that for about a year and it was starting to get worse. I think more, it was starting to feel like even the pain that I was still having, um, like at first it just felt like the relief, that little bit of a relief just felt great and like, okay, it's working. But then after a while I'm like, okay, but I still can't lift my arms in the morning. Like I still can't walk around. Like I still needed help down the stairs. I, but I could make it down the stairs, like that kind of thing. Like it, mm -hmm. it helped a little bit, but after a while that still wasn't enough. And so, um, so it was in, that was a year later. So in 2016, I started on a medication. It's um, like an immune suppressant. So um, that helped a lot more. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm pretty much pain-free now. I, I still feel it every once in a while. Like okay. if I'm lifting heavy things, I feel it in my wrist. But I can... I can cut apples, <laughs> like even cutting apples for my kids. And like, I remember when I couldn't do that. And like, that's such a simple task. And there was a lot of like guilt in that too, because so my kids were, they were two, six and eight. Right. So they yeah. were still, they were still little. And I had that, that one summer that where it was really bad, um, I had a lot of guilt not being able to do just the basic things with them or to drive them anywhere even to like take them anywhere. And another, um, another side effect of rheumatoid arthritis is um, extreme fatigue. And so I was like exhausted. Like if I went, if I went to the grocery store, I was like, I came back completely exhausted. Anything that took any physical energy at all, mm -hmm. it just, I was so tired. And so we didn't really go anywhere that summer. I remember my son, my um, husband bought this huge blow up pool and, and I was like, well, maybe we shouldn't. Like, it wasn't even that expensive. I think it was like $30. But at the time I'm like, it's just a pool, like a blow up pool, <laughs> like we don't need it. And he's like, no, this will like get them outside. They'll be excited to be out there. Then you don't have to feel bad. We're not taking them places and that's what we did that whole summer I would like either lay on the swing or sit on the swing whatever I could do and they swam in that pool like that whole summer that's awesome. and now even looking back at pictures like that pool just reminds me of like oh that was a hard summer but it was yeah. so good too mm -hmm. and my my husband would have um, I remember one night I was I would go to bed really early because I every night I would be up like, and so every night, um, I usually went to bed really early and I remember walking by, um, it's like a little hallway into the, the kid's room 
and I saw him praying with all of the kids and I was listening and they were all just praying for me. And I remember Aww. like even this God, even for them to see, like and I knew that I was gonna get better. Like when I was in a good time, I knew that I was gonna get better. And so I knew like even for the kids to see see this process. See it I remember um I was actually just reading in my journal too, trying to remember things to do this episode, but um, I wrote how I was um, so fearful that like the kids would, it, at the time it just felt like, I don't know how long this is gonna last. It felt like it was gonna be forever. Mm -hmm. Like not, not forever, but it just felt like already six months I've been going through this. When really now looking back, like six months isn't really that long. But, um, I was writing like, God, I'm so afraid that my kids are just going to remember me like always in pain or always complaining or not being able to do like these little things with them. Like, I'm so afraid that they're going to, that this is what they're going to remember. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then it, I wrote in a different pen, like, and I'm assuming that I probably prayed and, and then I wrote, um, but God, you are telling me that they're going to remember that I'm fighting. Like, I'm not laying in bed crying all day. Like, that, I wanted to lay in bed all day. Like, the pain was, it was constant, and I wanted to lay down. But I did get up, and we did do whatever we could do. Mm -hmm. And they saw me praying. They saw me on my knees. They see my husband praying for me. Like, He's, he just was showing me, like, that's not what, they're not seeing this like that. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, how I felt like they were seeing all of this bad things, like me complaining. Like, no, they're seeing that you're fighting through this. They're going to see, like, that they'll, they'll see when you get better and that they prayed for this. Right. So, yeah, there's so much, so much good that can come from the hard times, for sure. Yeah. It's amazing. So what is something either that you wish you had people doing for you in that time that they didn't do, or if there was things that friends did for you during both of your hard seasons that you have been walk, walking through? Um, yeah, like what would you tell somebody as a friend that they could do to um, help you? Yeah, so I had, well, honestly, I, I didn't tell many people. When I was going through this, um, I think my friends knew I would be like, wow, especially in the beginning. Like, I remember um, a couple friends were over playing cards, and it was when one of my elbows, like, it would, and it was so random. It really was, like, I, like, so in the evening, my, my elbow, every time I went to pick up a card, like my elbow hurt and I'm like this is so crazy like my feet have been hurting and like now my elbow like and I would keep moving it and like the whole time my elbow and it was getting worse and by the end of the night like I couldn't move my arm but they only they so they heard me say things like that but then when it got bad um I really didn't I really didn't go like I didn't talk to people about it I kind of felt like I was like so focused on getting through it that I really didn't go to other people. And so, um, but there was one friend who um, actually heard from a family member that it was bad, 
that it was a lot worse than just like sore feet and sore elbow. And really, I didn't know. I didn't. It it got bad fast. So, um, but so she came and um, came to me, and first she's like, "So how have you been?" And I'm like, "Good." And she's like, "No, really." And I was like, "It totally caught me off guard because I was like, wait." Oh, okay. Like, and she said, "Yeah, I talked to this like and said my um, a family member who had mentioned it to her." But so she would come to me. So she was probably one of few that actually knew. Like, no, this is really like it's really bad and really hard. And um, she would just and it lasted. I mean, for months she would come and be like, "So how are you doing?" Or um, even asking. Or even telling me like, has it been a really hard week? Because I just can't stop thinking about you. And just so that you know, I, like she didn't even, she didn't even need for me to answer or talk about it because it was mm-hmm. really hard for me to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't after. As soon as I started getting better, I could talk about it. But it, when I was in the middle of it, it was so hard, and I felt like I was fighting so desperately to not be fearful in it that even just talking about it made it feel like harder somehow. Right. Or made it, I don't know. Made it almost feel like real, like something's actually wrong. Yeah, maybe. Something. So like every time when it was so hard, I always went to God. Like I always, I probably read my Bible more during that se- season. Like my head was down and I was focused on like, I'm going to spend all of the energy that I have on my family, taking care of my family because I really didn't have much energy mm-hmm. and I can't I don't want to talk about it like unless like when she came to me I, I would but I didn't want to reach out like that felt like too much too hard at the time mm-hmm. but um her just coming to me and just telling me not even waiting for an answer necessarily like how is your week just so you know like I'm praying for you and I've been thinking about you and I'm praying for you that like made me just feel seen like in such a hard time and I don't think I even realized how much that meant to me until I remember leaving church one of the times but she did it often but one of the times and I just like couldn't help like the tears and I'm like yes like she does like I don't know just to feel seen and yeah. Yeah. During that time. Yeah. But also, like, if someone is going through something like this, if I knew, um, like meals, like anything, like making even a meal for my family was hard. Yeah. Like it was really hard. And honestly, like oftentimes, like I'd wait till Volva got home and we would make something together. And he was so patient with me during that time. But, But still, like if I could have had like, somebody bring me a meal and I could set it on my table and like have it done before Volva got home like there's just so much that I couldn't do that anything Mm -hmm. anything would have helped for sure yeah or someone cleaning my house like it drove me crazy to see like things that needed to be done but it was too hard to like we know how much you love cleaning Right, so and that, was, that was hard right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are good, very good. I was wondering that, like, did people, did people do stuff like that, or just not, not enough people really knew, right? And so, 
Right, because really it was just one summer. So it was probably like three months where it was at its very worst. Because it was like, it started with my feet, but then, and then it kind of slowly moved. But it was probably three solid months where it was like really, really hard. And I, yeah, I didn't do very much and talk to very many people during that time. Would you encourage someone, how would you encourage someone in a difficult season? Like, would you say, hey, let people know what you need? Like, not that you regret how you did it, but like, Mm -hmm. would you, for someone else, like, I think even I shared on your birthday episode... What is it about my <laughs> It's my R's. I've never noticed it. Until I love that. We're at fifty-four minutes. You add R's, yeah. right? Right. You like I, like when there's an R, birthday, and then episode. So I Epi- like when there's an R, then I added R the next word or something. Okay. I think I shared during your birthday episode about just you ministering to me during our hard times and bringing me things and. Whatever. And it's interesting because that was like the next year. Like you knew what it was like to be in a hard Mm -hmm. season. And I'm sure that, I'm sure, I bet, I'm guessing, that a lot of it has to do out of your difficult time that made you know what was needed in a difficult time. Yeah, I think like when somebody, because I am, I am more sensitive, I think, since going through that. And having people who were really close to me not having any idea. Like, that was, it was odd. I didn't think of it odd as, at the time because I didn't even focus on that at all. But looking back, it does seem odd that people around me didn't know. But um, it has made me more sensitive to someone going through something and they're like, I don't know, little things, and maybe it isn't a big thing in their life, but in my mind, I'm thinking like, it might I, be bigger than yeah, exactly. Saying. It's yeah. probably harder than what they're letting on right. because I think, I don't know. And maybe it's, I'm sure that it's a lot to do with my personality too. But, um, when you are going through such a hard time, it is hard to know when, especially when somebody says, how are you? Like so many times I remember being like, not saying it, but in my mind, like, do you really want to know? Or like, because I'm not willing to go there with someone if they don't really want to know. And, and so, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think I'm more sensitive to that when somebody says that they're, that this is hard, but it's okay. We got this because that's, that's how I was. Mm -hmm. Like, I felt like I had to be that way. And would you encourage them like if it feels like I mean I I think that I get, I understand that that can feel a little a little dangerous like if like kind of putting yourself out there saying this is really really hard because maybe someone won't take you seriously or I think that's the fear at least for me like that someone won't actually understand how difficult it really is or whatever but would you say to someone else you know anyway to say it say this is what I need or make your need known or would you say yeah deal with it yourself or not like I don't know like would you encourage someone else to do it differently or I don't know because the thing is is um yes for sure like if somebody is able to in that hard time reach out 
but at the same time, I would understand if somebody says it was so hard, I wasn't able to. Right. Like totally. I get that because yeah. that's that's how I felt like I was at. If somebody came to me, I don't know, and I and I did talk about it a little bit, but I didn't go there because it didn't really seem like I don't know. It just it felt really hard, and it felt hard to go there with people that maybe didn't really take the little bit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they knew that I kind of woke up sore, some people maybe. And so it would have meant me, like, really pushing that, and it just wasn't worth it. There was so much that I was dealing with. It wasn't, it didn't mm -hmm. feel for me, like, it just felt too hard yeah. for me. So if somebody said that, I would totally understand right. being in that place. But, yeah, if, if people have that group of friends that they can just reach out then for sure i don't remember who it was but i loved the story of like someone who had cancer or something and they just had like a cooler on their porch you guys remember yes. hearing about that like and so people would bring them meals but like they weren't they were too sick to see anybody like they didn't really want visitors and so their friends would just like they had a cooler on their porch and like their friends put the cooler on the porch and then they would just put the meals in there and then they could just get it out. They didn't have to like entertain in order to like receive the meal that someone's bringing, which I just think that's so cool. Like, mm -hmm. and I think it's good for us to be aware of what people might need. And I think a lot of times it can feel very, I can feel like, am I going to be in the way, like trying to help or trying to do something? Right. And I think we can, a very common thing is just saying like, oh, what can I do for you? But I think when you're the person that's in that difficult season, like it's really hard to say, oh, well, I really need my house cleaned. Like nobody wants to say that. But if someone just showed up and said, I have an hour, what can I do? Like, I think then I could maybe say, this is what you can do for me kind of thing. And right, I think that, exactly. Yes. so I think that putting ourselves out there to just say, here I am, I think is a good thing. And if you, we might get rejected that, right. you know, the person who's in the difficult time might reject us and say, no, I don't need anything. Or you could go, you run that risk going, you could go to their door and they say, they turn you away. But I think that on the other side, when we're the one, that's being there to help. Like, I think that it's worth that risk. Like, does that make sense? Like, mm -hmm. it's worth saying, okay, I might get rejected, but I'm going to offer myself or whatever I can or send a gift card or... Right. I feel like that's always... You can always do that. Like, that's always appreciated when someone's in a, in a time like that. I think, too, just realizing... I love that the perspective that it brings when you go through a difficult season because, um, like, one thing that happened with us was after Jordan's surgery, like his big one, it was, I would say, a whole year before he kind of started to feel normal. But he looked good, and he was improving, and he had made big improvements, but, like, at home and at night and some of those things like it was really still very hard and like the recovery was very long and very difficult and I remember one time somebody who was wasn't 
yeah, it's not really bad on them. It's just a thing of we can all be more aware. She said to me, Jordan looks great. Like, is he maybe back to work or back to something or whatever? And it was, it was soon enough after that he wasn't at all. Like he didn't feel even close to back to normal to me, but it was like, it felt like very quickly people assumed that like our life was back to normal and it wasn't at all. I'm like, it feels so far from normal. (laughs) And I think that it just gave me perspective even of being aware that when, you know, when everyone else is already, done taking the meals and done caring. Not that people don't care. I don't, I'm not trying to say that at all, but just that, like, that's a good time to show up and say, Hey, like, how is it now? You know, like maybe it's still hard. And even if things look better. And I think when you're on the end of the hard season, you feel like people have already done so much. Like, I think for us that happened, we did have a lot of um, people that were there and did a lot. And so when it was still hard after that period of time and it felt like everyone else just went on with their life, like I felt very, like it felt very like not thankful to feel like, okay, everyone forgot about us now, you know, like that felt very like assuming or something. And so you don't want to say, Hey, this is, you know, hard. Okay. So what do you feel like you have learned or, you know, like how have you grown from these, um, difficult times that you've gone through during this time that was hard. My husband was, um, he was so patient and so, um, willing to give of himself. I mean, he was up every night with me. He didn't, and not that he gets frustrated easily, but it was a frustrating thing. Like I couldn't do much. It was frustrating for me. I would get frustrated at this, like what was going on. And he never got frustrated. And he, um, I mean, it felt like he knew what I needed before I even said what I needed, which would have been hard for me. Like I would be, he would help me downstairs and then he would go and get ice packs or frozen vegetables and he would, and he would put um, ice packs on me and then he would go and get me a glass of water. Like he was just always, always doing things in a way that um, I remember at the time feeling like he was showing me God's love in such a tangible way. And, um, and I mean, he's great otherwise, but there was something just special about this time that it just felt like more than more, not even just more than usual, but just more than normal. Even he was just, um, yeah, I just knew, I just knew that God was using him to show me his love in that way, because we know that God loves us, but seeing it in such a way where he was taking care of me and he knew what I needed and he, he wasn't getting frustrated with me, which sometimes I can feel like, like God can get frustrated with me. Like when I can't, you know, learn this one thing, or I keep making the same mistake. But he was just showing me all of these things in this season, and it, um, yeah, it's something that I don't think I'll ever forget, like that feeling of being loved that way. Yeah, so. really special. That's really cool. I think trust 
is the first thing that comes to mind for me, just that we can trust God, that even when there's things that feel like it's the end of the world, (laughs) that he sees the whole picture and that he is there. He is there for us, even when it feels like things keep going wrong or it feels like his love is far away. I mean, honestly, he just feels far away sometimes, I think, in those seasons. But I think knowing that just that he can be trusted. And I think it feels to me, I don't, I don't feel like it was, I, I do feel like we continue to, you know, run to the Lord, like to trust him and believe that things were going to be okay. But I don't feel like it was, I don't feel like we were I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say. Like, I think sometimes you see people that really are like, wow, it really furthered my relationship with the Lord. And I think, honestly, it still feels hard. Like, I still kind of question, like, what what was the point here? Like, what what was going on? And I don't think we always have all the answers to every situation or of why. But I think that just knowing that God, like, he doesn't forget us, even when it feels like maybe he has, that we aren't forgotten, and that he sees, and that he, he cares, and it's just interesting, like, I think that we can trust him, we don't have to know all the answers, even at the end of our life, sometimes, I don't know if we'll have all the answers of why things happened the way they happened, or why certain things happen to certain people, but I think that we can trust that God does work things together, that he, he sees and he knows and he's, yeah, just that we're not forgotten. Yep. That's good. I think you guys are both awesome and a great example to me and lots of other people. But I do have one more question for both of you. What's good about today? Well, we are going on vacation this Thursday and we are excited to get away and go. It's made the summer feel kind of weird because we usually go on vacation in the beginning of summer. So I just realize that like when we get back, school starts in one week and we are not ready. Like it kind of feels like I'm waiting for vacation and then summer starts where like we're going on vacation and then school starts this year. This is the first year we're kind of going later. But anyways, we are still very excited to get away and just have nothing else to do but sit by the pool. That sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. I guess what's good about today is just that my husband's alive. <laughs> I'm thankful today for that and re-thinking about it all reminds me, of course, just how thankful I am. Even though I felt like I trusted, if it was the end of his life, I trusted the Lord in that, but I'm thankful. All right, well, 
that was really good. And I appreciate both of you sharing your stories and being vulnerable and letting the whole world hear. <laughs> Have a good day, everyone. <laughs>